From Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com, it's The Relevant Podcast. Dear God, all I see is red rum, murder on our back lawns, black king cons with black pistols, paying teflons, shooting where the red ink and inventions, bloodhounds, hunting through the slums, where the gold badge and a firearm, similar to shotgun, worldwide, gunfire, big shoulder city, neck deep into a bonfire, popos picking up more bodies than the red line, shining like an albino's eyes of bloody crimes, blood rhymes, spitting through these rap icons, from the streets to the opium farms, a radical Islam with young bloods. It's the week of Friday, May 13th, 2011, and this is the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Josh Lewin Loveless. Hi, people. The even lovelier Maya Strang. Thank you. <laughs> On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And um, re- repositioned. We, we're building out the new studio. Uh, the sound tiles aren't on the wall yet. Things are a little still in boxes. Mm-hmm. But but one massive thing happened. It's really, I mean, we- it's really weird. Chad it is-, is no longer outside the wall of glass. Mm-hmm. He's in the studio with he, us. He's, he's right in the there. vocal booth. He's, I feel vulnerable. I don't I don't even know what to do. He's he's literally sitting. Like, I could touch him. I, I suggest lurching around, over, looking over people's shoulders <laughs> yeah. and whispering things in their ears. Like just lifting up the headphone can just slightly yeah. and whispering something. You don't know me. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's really strange. I watch you guys all the time. This is why we keep him on the other side of the glass. I'm yeah. always watching. Yeah. But we're trying this out because in this building, um, we thought that we would be turning this kind of corner into a production area, uh, audio, video suite. And turns out we had to hire some people who needed that space hmm. outside the studio. So uh, we moved... The uh, board and everything inside the studio. So I we'll like when, when Cameron talks about things related to relevant, and he's like, "We had to hire some people," <laughs> meaning like he just found out about it. Or, or <laughs> this is like a recent development. Yeah, it is recent. I know. I'm just saying. It's, it, uh, it was not. It was not on the table when we moved in. I'm just saying things are moving so fast. They are moving fast. That, that is true. Stay tuned. We have a uh, great podcast coming up for you. Uh, we have a conversation with Brian McLaren, controversial author, pastor, speaker, Brian McLaren. And uh, many of you uh, saw on the relevant website a week ago or so that we were giving away a, a Blu-ray and DVD copies of Harry Potter 4, whatever that was. The, what was it? Deathly, I don't know. Was Deathly, that, the last one. Deathly was that, Hallows Part 1. Was that spam or was that a real giveaway? It's a real giveaway. Oh, okay. We're All giving right. away 15 copies. Warner, see, Warner Brothers uh, Home Video partnered with us this year to give us like free movies all year long and we're just giving them away so uh, a lot of you wrote in uh, you answered the question we were asking they're quite humorous uh, answers and later at the end of the podcast we will be announcing the winners of the 15 Harry Potter movies do they also get free wedgies (laughs) (laughs) Ryan's not here to defend himself I told Chad that before when he was informing me about the uh, the whole uh, you know I was looking at the email and I said that joke and so those it are, tested well. <laughs> so there's a pre-planned joke. That's <laughs> that's kind of Adam Smith style. You're kind of bringing it back. Adam would always pre-plan his jokes. Remember yeah. That? Well, the, that I mean, when I say pre-planned, I mean like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. That's about as pre-planned as we get around here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also was going to say because I'm reading these pitches for the Harry Potter movie right now. I'm sure we'll get to them later. But um, you know, I, I have no idea about anything regarding Harry Potter. You know. And 
I'm all, all I'm thinking in my head is I'm embarrassed just reading these. <laughs> we should we should bring Ryan in for the last segment. We, we should. should. We need an expert. We need a resident expert in the room. Maybe we can have him wear his cloak. Ooh. <laughs> he might be here right now, invisible. <laughs> is is invisible cloak a thing from Harry Potter? Yeah. It is? In- I thought that was like X-Men or something. I, I believe it's a cloak of invisibility. Yeah. Oh. That, that really is yeah, from Harry Potter? It's like in the first or second one. I haven't, so you, I haven't so gone, you're saying Ryan I haven't could be in the room them. here with he us. He could be in the room right now. I That's- just got a cold chill. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that might have been him passing through me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't pass through you. Isn't that when a ghost goes through you, you get a cold a ghost. chill? It no. just yeah. so, so it's not Chad whispering things in people's ear. It's it's actually Ryan yeah. in the club. Yeah, it has nothing to do with me being in the studio this week. It's actually Ryan's presence. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, before all that, up first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, May 17th. Danger Mouse and Danielle Loopy with Rome. Such a good album. Uh, Jack White is on a couple tracks. Nora Jones is on a couple of tracks. Seriously. It's beautiful. Ben Harper is coming out with Give Till It's Gone. Uh, ben Harper being a former relevant cover subject. Ben Harper. I think he was on the cover back in 08, maybe 09. He was in the wall of the conference room. I liked it. It's a good picture. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Moby is coming out with Destroyed. Also a relevant cover subject. from. We've been maybe there, like done that. Moby, when, when, we were, uh, when he was on our cover, he was our first real, actual celebrity. Other than like your PODs type people, uh, they so, don't count. <laughs> so, mainstream. How about mainstream? We're like on it, Mace. No, he was before Mace. M A Dallas on E. So <laughs> and if you ever out trying to find uh, me, I'll never forget this. The publicist reached out to us and said Moby is a fan of your magazine and and wanted to be in it. Would you consider interviewing him? Yes. And this was like after our like nine months of publishing, we're like, heck yeah, we made it. <laughs> and um, a photographer, we had a photographer go to his house in upstate hey. New York, really, and did a yeah. photo shoot. And it, it's a gorgeous photo shoot. He's the most minimal, modern, gorgeous house up there. But yeah, it was it was the first like big time thing for us, uh, Moby. So. So awesome. check out his album. There you go. It's good. I remember the cover line was uh, why he likes Jesus, but not the church. And it turned out like pretty much after that, every time we talked to anybody secular and big, it was essentially the same thing. Like, I'm down with Jesus. I just don't like you Christians. Yeah. So, oh, well. Uh, movie releases coming out Friday, May 20th. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Hmm. Starring Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, and the guy from The King's Speech. The linguist, and some uh, oh yeah, He's the, is anyone still excited about Pirates of the Caribbean? Weaver? Is, no, is he one of the mermaids? I was going to ask Uh-oh. if he plays. He's the captain. Mermaid. He's been in all of them. He's oh. the captain. He's the bad guy. Right. The bad captain. But, but now, that, but, but now, I think he's. Friends. I just saw him on um, uh, uh, Colbert mm-hmm. uh, last night, and he's in this one working for King George. Mm. So he's, hmm. which he pointed out was the great great grandfather. Of the King George in the in the King's, King's speech. speech, yeah, wow, mm. six so. degrees of Pirates in the Caribbean yeah. in the King's speech, yeah, <laughs> very different world, yeah. Wow. Uh, does anybody care? They lost me uh, when like serpents and weird fantasy stuff started the happening. Two. The first couple was yeah. just swashbuckling fun. Michael Bolton's the only one that cares anymore about yeah. new movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, Midnight in Paris is also coming out, starring Owen Wilson and Rachel McAdams. So, if you don't want to have swashbuckling fun. You can go see Midnight in Paris. Okay, that's it for entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Stop!
This podcast is brought to you by Veneer, living deeply in a surface society. The new book by Timothy Willard and Jason Losey. Discover what it takes to strip away your veneer and allow God to show you the beauty of your imperfections. Visit nveneer.com or purchase a copy at your local bookstore or online retailer today. You're listening to Hooray for Earth. Uh, the song is True, True Loves. It's playing right now on Relevant FM, and the video is on Relevant TV. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Alert with All I See is Red. It was, it was one of those um, emergency test system noises. Uh, it's playing right now on Relevant <laughs> FM and Relevant TV. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, there is a deli in New York City that is suing another set of delis because they're saying that it stole their idea uh, for a concept. Now, it's not so much the lawsuit that's the interesting part. It's the, it's the concept. Uh, because this place is called the Heart Attack Grill. <laughs> and they offer sandwiches such as a, I think it's called a triple bypass burger, which contains 8,000 calories. Come on. Oh. Yes. They will wheel their, uh, like after you eat there, they'll wheel their customers out to their car in, in wheelchairs and no. all the waitresses and everyone um, dress like nurses. No. this Are you serious? This is a real story. Yes. Um, and they say that they will give diners who reach a goal weight of 350 pounds uh, a free meal. Shut up. And so they're kind of pitching it as like this cutesy kind of uh, satirical concept. But the thing is, it's not just satire because they're actually doing it. Right. There's, you know? there's no punchline to the joke when it's true. When it's reality. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a restaurant like this in uh, Texas. I mean, same yeah, concept. Th- they're, that's who they're suing. Okay. Because uh. that place, the guy who's the spokesman... Uh, it was like in his early 30s. He was oh, like yeah. my age. He, just a couple weeks ago, died of a heart attack. Oh my gosh! L- literally. Oh, oh I mean, because he was morbidly obese, and and, and it's called the heart attack grill. Was that was that a marketing campaign? You think? He, a horrible ma- one. Oh, <laughs> horribly effective. <laughs> horribly effective. <laughs> yeah. Sad. Oh, we're talking uh, about oh yeah, it says here at the bottom that so, yeah, it, uh, the the company spokesman died in March. Way, way to yeah. read all the way to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, I, didn't oh, yeah. I think you. I think you're breaking this story, Jesse. I think <laughs> burying the lead again. The guy died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, there's a lawsuit. No, but uh, they have uh, the, one of their their highest um, calorie thing is its butterfat shake. Oh, <laughs> wow, so, delicious. Yeah, I, like I said, it, it kind of crosses the line of, of being cutesy and funny when they're actually doing it. Right. You know? I think they missed the point of satire. It's it, it's like, you guys ever watch Man vs. Food? No. Well, well the, yeah, the basic concept is this guy, um, and the host is really kind of, he's a charismatic, funny guy. He's from Brooklyn. But anyway, he goes to these like diners and places across the United States that, that just do insane food. You know, a lot of bacon, a lot of grease, a lot of deep frying. But at the end of each show, like the last half, the first half of the show is him. It's on the travel channel. So he kind of does the travel thing and talks about regional history and its influence on the food. But the last half of the show is him trying an eating challenge. So, you know, a lot of these places will have like the wall of fame that like if a customer can eat 
five three-pound burgers in two hours. They get their picture on a wall and a T-shirt. Each restaurant he goes to, he tries to do this. And it's entertaining, but I was you can't help but think, like, is, this, is, is watching gluttony just as bad as, like, any other prohibited biblical thing? Are you talking about you porn? Know? Are you talking about porn? Just say it. No, no. I, well, I'm talking about, like, swearing or violence or anything else. <laughs> He's that, like, not porn, just swearing, swearing. or violence. No, watching well, swearing? Yeah, it could be porn. It could be anything that <laughs> On mute. is Well, it's a hard thing, biblical. dude. It's a hard thing. Isn't it about, like, the, the lust of your heart? I mean, if you watch it lusting for gluttony, then, yeah, maybe you shouldn't watch it. But but is it is it I guess not so much just the act of watching it, but almost like celebrating it. It is a celebration of gluttony. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a legalist, no, but no, when I'm watching the show, that's what's going through my head. Are we, you know, are we celebrating gluttony here by just watching and, and being entertained by this show? Well, do, I mean, is it different than hoarders? I mean, I mean, like yeah, you, yeah. Well, well, hoarders, I feel like they're trying to cure people of like a legitimate disorder. This is just for pure entertainment. Like By bringing them on show, television. See if this guy can eat a three pound ham sandwich. Well, is know? it any different than keeping up with the Kardashians? Yeah, that's, that's what, yeah. Or Jersey Shore or anything else, right. you know? We're naming all the television shows you love, Jesse. Is that, is that a <laughs> no, problem? Well, it list. is sad. The one that makes me examine it is Man vs. Food. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> None of the right. others. Good deal. That's funny. Okay, what do you have, Maya? Um, just everyone knows I have a slight fear of Cameron when he becomes an old man. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Where's this, where's this going? He, uh, <laughs> say that's a, that's be, a weird a, way to qualify. A yes. Being, being a, a crotchety old man. Is that the right word? Okay. Right excuse me. Excuse you. <laughs> She's saying this because our new location is in a, uh, urban environment. So there's parking situations right okay the 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 storefront next to us on the other side of our small parking lot was empty now somebody's moving in that's that location has four parking spaces associated with it Mm -hmm. our parking lot (laughs) is not available to them or their customers wait how do you know that what maya's about to she hasn't even shared anything yet and you're now setting up no the reason why i don't know what her slice is but i'm saying we had this whole conversation this morning she's all afraid of me as an old man because yesterday they're still moving in we had our first throwdown about the parking situation because mm-hmm. they told their delivery trucks to come into our parking lot and unload pallets in our parking lot. Right. And I went over there and told them what's what. Get off my lawn! Basically. Exactly. <laughs> and then she's like, you're going to be an old man. I'm like, what? Just sitting on the front porch in the rocking chair, stroking my, my pistol or well, my, my well, or well, shotgun. Can, or... I, can I pitch to you a scenario, Cameron? <laughs> yes. Okay. I am a seven-year-old boy. And my house backs up to yours, and I'm in a heated soccer game. <laughs> and I go for a sweet midfield goal, but I overkick, and the ball goes into your yard. I knock on your door and ask if I can go get it. What do you do? Uh, you're a child. You'll have your ball back. Here's where you won't get <laughs> it's your like ball back. the sand no, lot. Here's the thing. Shows. In front of our house is a Little League baseball yeah, field. This is happening currently, this story. Right. Okay. okay. Little League baseball field. Adjacent to them are two regular sized baseball mm-hmm. fields. Nice. It's a nice little park. There's a playground. Beautiful. You know, whatever. This is our front yard, is the outfield, basically, past the outfield. There's a fence, a road, and my house. Okay, so boom. So college kids will go there on the weekends <laughs> You're such an old man. and hit hold on, <laughs> home and, runs. And hit home run derby style with those plastic batting cage balls, right? They do damage. Because they want to 
go over the fence because okay. So I'm it's just sit- natural though. This that is, is a natural impulse. Thank you. I'm but I'm Jesse sitting there on our porch. Okay, wait, wait. You, that's all you have to say. You were sitting on the porch. Well, because <laughs> I think she, I think she I'm, can rest I'm her case. I'm eyeing them to see what's going on, and my <laughs> SUV, <laughs> the SUV is sitting in front of the house, right? Uh-huh. So I'm watching these balls go over the fence, hit the ground, and ricochet, hit the SUV, come into my yard. So what do I do? I start picking them up. I just pick up all of them. And they're like, hey, throw them back. Give us a ball. I'm like, don't hang your freaking balls on my yard and my property if you're going to be, you know, go over to the baseball fields. You know, you're yeah. you're freaking 21 years old, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you funny. kept them. And I kept them all. I kept all of their balls. <laughs> so basically, I'm going to do the same with our neighbor. See, I, okay, I had Rollins it when I was right up, there. This old man That's lived amazing. behind me. And anytime a ball went over the fence, which was frequently, because it was the house that a lot of the kids from the neighborhood hung out at, he would get a garbage bag, put the ball in the garbage bag, and take it inside the house. So, in fairness to me, in that situation, I mean, you've already I told just the told story about, about the couple making out in the car, making in front of out, they were having sex yeah. in front of our house. You're very protective <laughs> of the area around the perimeter. <laughs> He's pro- a responsible Christian. I think, I think that's okay. what you're but, but the college kids with the balls, like, I went over and spoke to them beforehand. I was like, hey, guys, you know, the balls are going over the fence. My car's right there. You know, can you please not, hey, maybe move over the baseball field? And they're like, nah. I mean, they're real snotty, you know? Did you say that to the couple in the car? Why don't you move over to the baseball field or no? No, no, no. We didn't know that they were having sex. We thought a guy was stalking our house or yeah. like staking it. And it was midnight. There shouldn't be somebody sitting in front of my house. Yeah. I didn't know there's somebody else in the car doing things to them. So. <laughs> Yikes. So he showed up and told him to take his balls somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hit your balls on my yard. They're mine. I'm keeping the balls. Let's keep mixing these so stories. So everybody can understand my fear. Uh, okay, Maya, I don't know where you're 40, going with this. 40 so years. that's what you mean by your fear of Cameron as an, yeah. as an elderly person. Okay. So there is a guy, uh, my slice, there's a guy in New Zealand who is 91 years old. And they call him uh, Mr. Batman because he... Old man Batman. Old man Batman. Because he um, drives around the, he drives around the streets to stop crime. He only drives around with, um, like, the police know about it. He's on, like, an official community watch. But he does, he takes, like, the nighttime shift. And he's uh, only armed with a um, flashlight and his cell phone. Um, And But the police are asking him to not do this anymore until he gets a partner. Because his old partner, who they called Robin, uh, kept falling asleep while while on duty. (laughs) 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 But this guy, he was in World War II. He did raids. He did all this stuff. So he, like, feels like he's really qualified. And so he he is um, keeping his streets safe. Good for him. So Old man Batman. Old man Batman. Looking for a partner. Anyone out in New Zealand wanting to help him out? <laughs> I hear so, I hear we, should, we should contact Adam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Quite nice out there. <sighs> what do you have? Uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of you have heard about this already, uh, that BitTorrent users uh, are being sued for illegally downloading the Expendables. There's 23,000 people that are going to be sued uh, because they have illegally downloaded the movie The Expendables. Now, the question is, what's more tragic? The fact that they did this illegally or that they downloaded The Expendables? I, I feel like... I think you should be in jail just for downloading, whether you did it legally or illegally. No, it's just funny. Of all the things that they could go after, of all the movies they could go after, 
Of all the kinds of consumers they could go after, they've chosen the fans of The Expendables. <laughs> That's probably everyone's like, well, I didn't want to pay money to see it, but if it's free... I'm just trying yeah. to. I'm just trying to think of all the other movies that I would prefer that someone mm-hmm. be arrested over. I mean, is this the movie? I mean, I didn't see it, Jesse. I'm assuming you're a fan. It's got everybody you've ever loved. Yeah, there, there. It, it is an all star cast, right? It's, it's, a, it's a, it's like the, it's a film equivalent of a super group. Okay, is that the one with all the old guys? Yes, old yeah. superheroes. Yeah, Bruce Willis and all right. Okay. So I just they, they, they decided this was the film. These were the after. consumers. These are the fans that needed to be. Uh, sued and taken to court. Hmm. I would over. I would say that I've gotten a lawyer okay. to, uh, to help me here, but I'll be <laughs> honest. I purchased it opening day on the highest quality Blu-ray I could find. Okay, I I was worried for your uh yeah for litigation. I was worried. No, about no, this it. this is something I want to own legitimately. Okay, you All know? Right. and and when you're downloading something like that, you have to be worried that you might you know be on the wrong end of uh, Sylvester Stallone, and that's right. the last place you want to be, up? friend. Well, it is interesting. I mean, of all the movies that they could go after, The Expendables, these are these are action heroes that will come after you. It seems like you might go after Bridget, Bridget Jones' Diary 2, something animated, something that doesn't involve someone attacking you later. Jason Statham can get angry. Even though he's bald, he can be angry. Maybe maybe it's the, the title of the movie. They just wanted it to be really ironic that a movie called The Expendables was being uh, prosecuted for people taking it. Right. Well, it is funny when movie people blame situations like this, like piracy, for the reason why they're not making any money. Maybe the movie sucked. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Yeah, maybe the music... You know, isn't how much is each person good. being sued for? Uh, the average is about yeah. The, the, the average, <laughs> the average uh, amount is three thousand dollars. Come on, yeah. what? Yeah. So just there's tell a, them to give you your twenty. Bucks. There's a maximum one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollar fine per offense, but the settlements are around three thousand dollars. Good thing most people only watched it once. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Wow. They probably didn't even watch the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, 3,000. That means they walked out after. They, they, they quit watching after <laughs> right. five minutes. Maya and I saw Fast Five last night. It was awesome. It was awesome. Really? Oh, it, it looks awesome. I Dude, love the Okay, I the hate five, these stupid like summer, you have to check your brain at the door movies. I love the Fast and Furious series. I it's amazing. It. Good Tokyo stuff. Drift, I saw it three times in the theater. What? Yeah. In 3D? Is that one in 3D? No. Oh, okay. It's just awesome. It's okay. an awesome D. Yeah. Awesome. No, no. Fast Five was great because it brought back like all the cast from like the first four. Yeah. And so you had The Rock. Plus the Rock. You had right? The Rock, the rock yeah. and Vin Diesel on other sides of the law. Fighting each other. You had other. The Rock chasing the bad guy, Vin Diesel, who 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 is really kind and good at heart. And he just wants to be free and he just wants to go away and not hurt anybody ever again. So he has to score one last heist so he can get enough money to buy his freedom. So he gets the old team together. (laughs) And they're in Rio. So they're in Brazil. Which is beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. But they're in the slums of Brazil. So we saw the dirty underground of Brazil Mm -hmm. and the drug trade and the drug lords. And and, and the rock comes with with the DSS, kind of like the Navy SEALs crew who who got Osama, going after Vin Diesel. It was amazing. So you had the rock and Vin Diesel going at it the whole time. Like cat can, and mouse. Do you mind if I like ask how many montages were there to the song The Boys Are Back in Town? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was this really epic moment where uh, they got arrested. The whole team got arrested and they were going to the, well, the drug lord wouldn't let them get away because he wanted, he had he a bounty on their heads. Yeah. So he, he had his people ambush the Rocks team. Mm-hmm. 
and kills all of his team. Spoiler alert. The rock is laying yeah, in the middle. Thanks. The rock is laying in the middle of the road. And he's about to be killed. And who comes out with a gun? Ben Diesel. Bop, 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 bop. Kills all the assassins. Saves his life. And goes over and leans over him. He's laying on his back. The rock's laying on his back. He leans over him, flexes his pecs, and extends his arm down to him. And he links arms. (laughs) And he pulls him to safety. And he takes him back to the hideout. And they're saying, well, we've been exposed. We can't do the heist. Hold on. Which one of these guys was in Tooth Fairy 2? Yeah, I think both of them. And we can't do the heist. We can't do the heist. We just don't have the manpower. And then all of a sudden, you hear in the distance, "I'm in," and the rock joins her. And then they do another Moiser back in town. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing. And then he's like, "I'm just doing it this one time until I can kill that bad guy who killed my team, and then I'm gonna come after you again or whatever." Oh, it's amazing. It was amazing. And then, so you think it's over. Maya's like, oh, number five. Everybody came back. And I had heard, if you stay through the end of the credits, something happens. So apparently everybody else in the theater heard it too. Because we're all just sitting through the credits like a bunch of idiots. And then there's a a little scene. They're back in Washington. It's a late night. The Rock's sitting at his desk. (laughs) And and Eva Mendez comes in, who was in another movie, Mm -hmm. comes in and brings him a file. Said, you're going to want to see this. A heist just went down in Berlin. And they open it. And there's a security shot of uh, Anna Lucia from Lost, from who Lost. was in like the first or Whatever second one. Name. But oh. she Michelle was Rodriguez. killed. She was killed in that movie. What? And she goes, do you believe in ghosts? What? what? Number six? No way. Oh number six. Coming up. I can't believe it. <laughs> number six. Was like, the number six. The ghost the whole time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Anna Lucia's back from the dead. I know, what? I don't know her number real, six. I don't know her the rock is the She's reason Anna why Lucia the island forever. kept moving yeah. from place to place and lost. Oh, that's what that imagine means. when Jacob comes back. Oh, oh imagine if this is how they bring snap. Lost back. <laughs> yeah. This is how it happens. Fast and Furious 6 that's in the Berlin. Annou- that's the announcement. <laughs> I love it. They're the John the Baptist of Lost. Announcing the coming of the great one. All right, well, on that note, we will wrap slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Brian McLaren. You're listening to Elbow. The song is Neat Little Rose. It's playing right now on Relevant FM and Relevant TV. It's from the album Build a Rocket, Boys. Brian McLaren is an author, speaker, activist, and public theologian. He's a former college English teacher and pastor. He's an ecumenical global networker among innovative Christian leaders. He's been active in networking and mentoring church planners and pastors since the mid-1980s and has assisted in the development of several new churches. He was recognized as one of Time Magazine's 25 Most Influential Evangelicals in America in 2005. He's written over a dozen books, and his new book, Naked Spirituality, uh, Life with God in 12 Simple Steps, gives an overview of the spiritual life in a framework in four stages, simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. Then, in each stage, 
you'll be introduced to three practices, moves, or soul postures that will help you deepen your life with God. Our very own Josh Lewin Loveless spoke to Brian McLaren uh, recently, and here is part of that interview. Uh, Brian, uh, because of Rob Bell and his book these days, I'm just curious, how does it feel to not be the most controversial and misunderstood guy in Christianity right now? <laughs> well, I, I keep thinking of Rob, and uh, I, you know, my heart keeps going out to him because although he's a very strong and confident person, I know some of this is very draining and very wearing, so I guess I, I feel a lot of empathy at, at this moment. <laughs> Um, let's turn to your book. Uh, of all the things that you're thinking about and writing about these days, and, and I assume uh, <laughs> there are many, why, why did this book on naked spirituality feel important for you to write right now? Um, I, I'm really glad you asked that because uh, it, I think it took some people by surprise. Um, uh, you know, I've been writing a lot about uh, shifts going on in our culture and it grappling with shifts in our understanding of the gospel and theology and, and shifts in our understanding of what the church is and does. Um, and, um, but a lot of people forget that for 24 years I was a pastor. Uh, you know, every week I was preaching sermons and counseling with people and uh, helping people come to faith in Christ and performing funerals and weddings and marriage counseling and all the rest. So my real work was helping people deepen and develop their spiritual lives. That's what I, I that's how I saw my, my calling as a pastor. Uh, and, um, and so I, I'm not just sort of a talking head who goes around thinking ideas. I, in my travels, as I'm, I meet people and they ask questions, it, very quickly I realize there are pastoral and spiritual dimensions uh, to these questions. And what I've noticed uh, that is in one way not surprising, but in another way very disconcerting is that for a lot of people, when you shake the, 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 their conceptual framework of what the Christian doctrine is about, when that is shaken, for a lot of people there's not much left. Hmm. There, there isn't a vital spirituality of, of deep relationship with God. There, there isn't a bedrock of practices by which we try to keep our soul open and, and in contact with God. and. As I realized that, I just I thought, this is what I have to write about. I have to write about a way of helping people rebuild what what you would consider is is the bedrock, but has in many ways, uh, you know, been by, either by neglect or whatever has just disappeared. Uh, and, and you know, Josh, what, what's especially surprising in this is that a lot of pastors suffer from this. Um, you know, they they have their work, they have their duties. They have their doctrines, but for a lot of us in leadership, the, the underlying cultivation of, of an experience of God goes by the wayside, and so it, it never can be taken for granted. Do you, I mean, I, I think what's interesting about what you're pointing out is, to me, at least from the outside, it feels as though... Uh, a few of your writings have felt deconstructionist and what you're doing now is is as you talked about and used the word rebuilding you're kind of reconstructing yeah. some of the things that that you've been kind of peeling back over the years is that a fair assessment 
Yeah, and uh, it really is a complicated and delicate work, isn't it? I suppose it's like surgery, you know. In surgery, you're trying to save somebody's life, but you can kill them, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, uh, and of course, people say, well, that's why you shouldn't do that sort of thing. But, of course, if you don't treat a disease, <laughs> that'll kill people, too. So we live in all these kinds of dangers. And this delicate balance of deconstruction and reconstruction is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite quite essential it, 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 to, to, to attend to and to maintain. And, and I think there is theological deconstruction, reconstruction, and then that unsettles people spiritually. And so that's why in this book, Naked Spirituality, I just felt like we've got to pay attention to these primal, you know, core practices of, of the attitude of the heart toward God. It seems as though to me that there is a gap between those that are deconstructing some things theologically and even in their their practices, and then that season in which they're able to engage in reconstruction and the stuff that your book really digs into and, and speaks to really well. Um, what would you say to those that 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 are apathetic towards reconstructing? They feel as though they've they've walked through a lot of things that have now disenfranchised them towards. Uh, a lot of church practices, and and this book is trying to get them off the couch again. But but how how do you move yourself emotionally to be inspired to pick up a book like this? Where where do you think they should begin? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I think that's a perceptive question, uh, and, and because I see this being very very widespread, um, you know, in the book I, I propose a, a kind of four stage model of spiritual growth and. Um, the third stage is a very, very challenging stage, and I call it in the book perplexity. And a lot of people reach stage three, and then they just stay there for the rest of their lives. They live in this kind of perplexity for the rest of their lives, where their commitments have been deconstructed, and nothing has arisen from uh, from kind of the, the fragments that, that are left over. And I understand that feeling. Um, uh, uh, and, and one of the things that tells me is that we didn't do a good enough job in stage one and two of laying some of the foundations of spirituality, of, of spiritual formation, uh, and we're, we're reaping the consequences of that now. Um, one of the things I would say to folks is that the great danger of staying in state, that third stage of perplexity your whole, the rest of your life, first, is uh, lost opportunities. Um, there, there is so much more of the life of faith and life of God to be discovered beyond that stage. Uh, and if you give up at this point, you miss, you know, what's still ahead. Um, but also, here's the problem. Uh, we don't live in a vacuum. And if we aren't careful, what happens in perplexity is we become victims of a new kind of uh, complacency, let's call it. And uh, people end up as being unwitting participants in what I might call complacent militaristic consumerism. Uh, because if you just float around with the currents, that's where you are. You're part of complacent militaristic consumerism. You want to make money, and you give tacit support to the systems that create all kinds of wars in order to keep you being comfortable. And uh, so by being complacent, you end up giving your tacit approval 
to a system that's at work in the world that I think is incredibly harmful. Nice people who are complacent end up uh, giving a tacit vote of support to that system. And one of the reasons I think we need to move on to a, a more mature and virile and vital and vigorous Christian faith is because that will energize us to be activists for the kingdom of God, activists for God's justice and reconciliation and peace in this world. What, what do you feel like your role is within the church, the big C church these days? Do you feel um, that you have a certain role to play? Well, boy, I mean, I, I mean from day to day, I, I, I try to love my neighbors and love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, uh, you know, try to walk gently and respectfully on the earth. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, from day to day, I... I, I suppose I just feel like a normal human being um, uh, through my writings and through my speaking. I, I hope I can make a contribution to an ongoing conversation that is happening and that needs to continue happening. Um, it's been so interesting for me because I've had the opportunity to travel a lot in these last few years to see a similar conversation, you know, to be with young adult Christians in the United States who just feel that something in the sort of American Christian subculture, whatever you want to call it, that, that something isn't working, that something isn't right, that something isn't real. And then I, I'm down in, in a little town in, in uh, western Argentina with a, a group of young adults, and I hear them raising exactly the same issues. And then a couple years later, I'm in East Africa, in, in Rwanda, or Burundi, or Kenya, or I'm down in South Africa, or I'm in uh, Cambodia, or, or China. And I hear people raising exactly the same struggles and questions. And, and so in whatever way I can, you know, be of service in that ongoing struggle, uh, I, I hope I can continue to do that. But whatever it's doing, it's, it, it, whatever I'm doing, it's not me, uh, you know, sitting back having a grand strategy as much as it is me trying to be honest as a Christian man myself, trying to live and follow and, and serve, uh, serve the Lord. That was Brian McLaren. You can find out more about his new book and other things at brianmclaren.net. So you never get the things you need, need, need. Wear it, search your cover up with weeds, weeds, weeds. Open it back up and let it bleed, bleed, bleed. No one knows. Red, red, red. You're listening to the Weepies. <laughs> the song is Red Red Rose. Not to be confused with Red Red Wine by... Who is that? Red Red Wine. It's a good jam. 
<laughs> Stay close to me. That, that's One another song that often Billy gets Joel? worked into the final couple scenes of a movie. Yeah. Like the heroes have, have completed the no. mission and they're at like a cafe. No. You Name know? one movie where that's a... <laughs> that comes on. I don't know. I can just picture a scene. Like you think the movie's over and that's kind of playing in the background and the heroes are now wearing like white linen pants and dress shirts like in Miami no. having a, you know, uh, mimosa. And then all of a sudden the cell phone rings. The villains aren't dead or something. <laughs> it's it's a script there, I've been working on. Yeah. Okay. There's <laughs> a filmmaker out there listening right now going, I need to hire Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Use he goes, dang, that would be awesome. Twist ending. Yeah, you know, uh, our very own Josh here just did all the music for a film. Uh, Jesse, you should probably send him your suggestions. I would love to know uh, love to know what you think, Jesse. You seem to have a, an ear for these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, it, you know, Boys and Back in Town, Red Red Wine are required. Okay. Yeah. Um, absolutely. The theme from Rocky, um, <laughs> I think it should be in every film. Every film at yeah. some point. Oh, Especially, uh, I know people think it's a ripoff, but if it's a boxing film, there's nothing wrong with it still. Well, Eye on the Tiger, Eye of the Tiger is, uh, is obviously a classic, but there are, are certain moments in film where that would not be appropriate. You, I'll tell you, here's another one, the Jurassic Park music. You know what I'm saying? I walk down the aisle. That you did know, not. I was married. Did you really? No, I'm just. Oh. You know, I, Jesse. I, you. I, I think if a song is written as a soundtrack or a score for a specific film, you can't use it in other films. Well, that that's a misconception. <laughs> <laughs> because the great thing is, if it's already used in another movie, it has a preconceived feel that, like, let's say you're making a movie about dinosaurs, put the Jurassic Park theme in. It has a positive association right off the bat of dinosaurs. Yeah, it, well, Josh, I assume you're making a dinosaur movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're boxing they're boxing dinosaurs that drink okay. red wine. Okay, <laughs> I, I had just assumed it was a film about dinosaurs. That's a good assumption. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it, it's the most obvious, you know. Um, Josh, is there a scene in your film where the main protagonist who has moved away to the big city goes home to, to see his family after years away? Um, no, no, that doesn't Because Sweet Home Alabama would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if he's from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we could rewrite. Well, you'd have to write that in, obviously. You have to write that in for the song. So, okay, it's time for feedback. Last week, we asked you, okay, now at the end of the segment, we will tell you the Harry Potter winners so stay tuned see it's a teaser it's like the evening news it's coming up um okay but first your feedback last week we said hey listen we're working way too hard every week to put together slices we want to know uh a slice from you so you went over to the podcast episode page last last week's uh podcast and right there you posted your your slice suggestions now uh, we, we did put out the invitation that if some of you wanted to deliver your slice on the podcast, we would let you do that. We do it via Skype. Um, if you want to participate that way, we need you to email us at podcast at com and tell us there. A few of you in your posts here in the comments um, said, hey, my Skype name is this. Well, we need to email you back to set up a time, blah, blah, blah. So we actually really need you to email us. That's just a little housekeeping note for you. Okay, so here are some of your uh, slice replies or slice suggestions. Well, Kyle had a had a had a really good one um, because there's a an epic epic video that accompanies it, and it's linked to uh, here on his, on the on the message board here. Um, basically, the problem is Asian carp, which apparently somebody had had in a fish tank or something, um, or 
I guess someone uses them to clean their catfish ponds. They got released into the wild, and they're damaging uh, ecosystems in, in American rivers. So these guys in Peoria, Illinois, have found a creative way uh, to try to take care of this problem. I guess these Asian carp react very strangely to vibrations in the water, like a jet ski. And so they will take you out on a carp hunting trip for $200. There's, there's discounts. Um, but essentially on the video promo, how this carp hunting works is they dress up pretty much just like Shredder from Ninja Turtles, if you guys are familiar. Of course. Very. Uh, blades protruding from, from all over the outfit, um, which it seems like it's a little dangerous to ski, water ski with that outfit on, but that's the risk you take. Uh, and they also get a sword. And on this video, this dude is, is water skiing behind a jet ski, right? And he's got the sword and the spiky outfit, and the carp start jumping out of the water. Oh, my gosh. And he is attempting to hack them in the, or, or jab them with the blades in midair. <laughs> I don't think he kills a lot of carp, but it looks awesome. That's yeah. amazing. It looks totally awesome. It sounds like a new episode of Man vs. Food. I think somehow they should work that together. <laughs> really That's literally Man vs. Food at that point. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's a, it's a life or death. It's mono-animal. Uh, yeah. Oh, my word. Um, yeah, Ryan's got a great one. He uh, There's this one about the Turkish police dressing up as doctors to test their citizens. Uh, it says, uh, Turkish police donned white coats and stethoscopes to disguise themselves as doctors, and then they knocked on people's doors to see how easily they would fall for a confidence scam. The undercover police officers told residents of the southeastern city they were screening for high blood pressure, and they handed out pills, according to <laughs> Turkish media. They were alarmed when residents at 86 out of the 100 households visited on Tuesday swallowed the pills immediately. What? Oh my goodness. Here's the best part. Officers in uh, another southern uh, Turkey town last week called at houses announcing. Is it really Turkey town? Is yeah, that how you say that's it? That's right. <laughs> I think so. Uh, they called at houses, which uh, I guess in Turkey means they went there, uh, announcing through the intercom, I am a burglar. Please open the door. Police said they were stunned at the number of people who opened the door. Wow. That sound you hear, this person, Ryan says, is the sound of thousands of con artists moving to Turkey. Well, it, it, uh, it, it, they open the door because they don't speak English. So, oh, no. I am a burglar. Open the door. Oh, that sounds yeah. Turkish. I didn't know. I didn't know you could speak Turkish, Cameron. <laughs> I, I I lived in Turkey Town for a year. Okay. So, right. <laughs> so so in your movie, when you go back home, uh, <laughs> sweet sweet home Turkey Town. <laughs> this person Hippa. Um, actually has their Hippa? Own, Hippa. Middleton Hippa? Um, has their own slice um, their spouse uh, works in the trauma center at an ER and at 3am um, last week's uh, or last uh, Friday someone uh, came in who had fallen off their roof and had multiple spine injuries and bo- broken both of their wrists he and he's okay. He wasn't paralyzed, but he'll have to have months of rehab. But the reason he was on his roof is because he was uh, adjusting his TV antenna so that he could watch the royal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they said that you know they actually had it on at the um, hospital, um, but he was only able to listen as as his injuries would not allow him to look anywhere other than the ceiling. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. Is that the not horrible? Irony. Oh well, hey, here's my thing. 
So his TV doesn't work. He can't get channel two normally. I guess you know. And but but that's the thing. He's like, okay, finally, I got to get up there. Yeah, in the middle of the night. <laughs> but he's I've been this, really meaning to get up there. Yeah, but I can't miss the royal wedding. He's had this antenna the whole time. It yeah. hasn't worked properly, and he hasn't bothered to fix it. All right. Uh, Brandon Fisher uh, wrote in to make us aware that there is a new cologne that smells like bacon. <laughs> Jim Let me say that again. There is a cologne that smells like bacon, and it only costs thirty six dollars a bottle. Wow! It's called Gaffigan, <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally just a bottle of bacon grease. It is not. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. it seems like that would work though. It yeah, does. it really would. It does. You know? You're a little greasy, but it's really effective. That sounds expensive. Well, yeah. You just you just put a little bit on your on your finger and put it right uh, under on your neck. You know, this is yeah. good. These, yeah. these 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 are very uh, we should very good listeners. really we're not needed any longer. I, I think we should just turn the podcast over to the listeners. I'm I'm hoping that feedback now also includes interviews with celebrities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and if any bands are listening, if you could yeah. just post live performance mm-hmm. MP3s in the comments mm-hmm. section, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. We'll play you. them. They're gonna do it. Mix them, edit them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You could. And then Master if you could, if you could actually come into our studio and film them, yeah, and then post those videos for us to well, that'd TV. Be great. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll give you the upload access yeah. code. Yeah. <laughs> and we, if we have any writers, yeah, if you want to write a magazine for us, uh, we'd be glad to have you do that. <laughs> They're taking over. Let the inmates run the asylum. Yeah, yeah it's I, a it's, slippery slope there, Mister Strang. Yeah, let, let yeah. Cameron sit on his porch. Yeah. No, I'll sit out in the parking lot and watch, watch for the neighbors. It's, you know who's moving in next to us who has these four parking spaces? It's a 3,000 square foot store specializing in high-end pet apparel and accessories. It's the sort of store that I am not exaggerating will have wine tasting nights that you can bring your dog to. I'm into half of what you just said. So, <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you decide. But right only now. four people can come to the store. That's what I'm saying. That's my four spots. That's yeah. my point. We are at the beginning of a parkopolis because <laughs> because that because when they have their wine tasting nights with their dogs, there's going to be more than four people coming. A lot yeah. of Range Rovers trying to park in our parking lot. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be out there stroking my pistol. <laughs> do, do you, do you no. know who I'm picturing as the customer at that shop? Uh, is Andy Richter's character from Talladega Nights? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Mm. Great reference. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's it for your feedback. Now, uh, <laughs> now it's time for us to announce the winners of the 15 copies of the uh, 14 copies, I think we're going to keep one, of the uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 DVD and Blu-ray. Are these illegal downloads that we acquired? (laughs) Yeah. We just put some masking tape and uh, Uh permanent marker wrote the name on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the way that that we chose the winners was uh, we asked you, uh, we we, we asked you a question, and we wanted you to reply, and we just picked our favorite replies. So here's the question. If there was an eighth... Harry Potter book that took place 10 years after the conclusion of the Deathly Hallows. What would the book be called and what would the plot be? Remember, the characters have just finished Wizards College and are now in their mid to late 20s. To to go over the the answers, the the plot predictions, uh, we brought in our resident Harry Potter expert. Uh, he has removed his cloak of invisibility so we can all see him <laughs> while he's in the studio with us. Uh, he has well, descended from Mordor to he, visit us. He didn't even <laughs> smile. He he acted as if like, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, please welcome Relevant Managing Editor Ryan Ham. 
Hey everyone. Uh, so we, you know, we've selected the winners, and we are just going to read a few of the plot lines. We none of us got any of the references, so we figured we should uh, call somebody <laughs> in who knows which ones are good. Uh, Anna Clark, uh, her title was Harry Potter and the Existential Crisis. The plot was uh, phrased in the form of a question, in which she wrote, "What's the point?" Mm. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's meta. It's that's deep. deep. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, Eric McLean. Uh, has uh, written the plot for Harry Potter 8, Curse of Adult Adolescence, in which Ron and Harrimone, is that am I saying that right, Ryan? Hermione. Or uh, Harrimone. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if or, you or, or as re- I call it, whatever. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> reverse two of the letters and read it incorrectly, you may call her Harrimone. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'll say Ron and what's-her-face. Um, <laughs> It's very, it's very nice to meet Brooklyn. you then, Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ron and whatever become hipsters in Brooklyn trying to fit in as graphic designers who uh, whose work is a little too mystical for typical muggles. I'm, I'm assuming muggles is a Harry Potter reference, not a design reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> muggles are non-magic people. Muggles also oh, okay. a design reference. <laughs> all right, so so would we be muggles then? Yeah, yeah, all of us would be muggles. Yeah, okay, Ryan, in real life, have you ever called someone, in all seriousness, you're such a muggle? No. Okay, all right. So you leave that kind of language for the other world. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. For the nether world. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Harry is struggling as an author, attempting to write an autobiography while his kids live out the plot uh, to stand by me. In the end, Harry uh, lands a publisher, but decides he would rather teach at Hogwarts. And Ron and Harmona ditch their scarves, <laughs> wash their hair, and move back to the dreary old England to open uh, sweet shops next to Ron's brothers in Dagon Alley. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Uh, Beth uh, McLennan uh, with has a title: Harry Potter and the M M O R P G. Uh, her plot says, "Okay, well, hang on. That's okay. even nerdier than I'm willing to get." Okay, but just so you okay. know, <laughs> you're only willing to. But get you're so aware. Nerdy. I don't even know what it. What are they? Massively multiplayer online role playing game. Oh, oh yeah. gosh! Can we just stop? Oh. Like, like, um, can we just stop this? Wait, where is that? Right I don't this see is it. amazing. All right, so her so her plot is. She says, uh, "While he has finally destroyed every foe, Harry realizes he has also annihilated any excitement in his life." In his quest to find that same adrenaline rush he felt as he last faced Voldemort, Harry discovers the wonders of pretending to be someone else in a massive multiplayer online role-playing game. As he is drawn more and more in the world of Lord of the Rings, Harry's best friend and brother-in-law, Ron Weasley, follows in his path of self-destruction. The men's (laughs) wives, Jenny and What's-Her-Face, respectively struggle to raise their families while dealing with the emotionally absent husbands and fathers. I got to say, that's probably my favorite one. Wow. Wow. Man, I feel like that hits kind of close to home. I feel like Beth is writing uh, an autobiographical uh, plot about, yeah, that about was... her boyfriend who's really hooked on World, <laughs> yeah. world of Warcraft. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. M-M-O-R-P-G. Yep. Okay. Like World of Warcraft or EverQuest or okay. things like that. There's so many words here in front of me that I can't pronounce. <laughs> this is overwhelming. Yeah, I, my, my mind is just gone right now. I read too many nerdy words at once. <laughs> I know. I feel nerdy. It's like it's like my mind is like scrambled right now. Riding nerdy. So okay, so there are rumors that she's gonna write more books. 
like in the Harry Potter series. But like whenever I heard Are those that, on blogs and message boards? <laughs> those rumors? Yeah, exactly. yeah, did those go on World of Warcraft chats? Is that what the rumors spread? <laughs> but I just like I don't understand like it's taken second life by storm. Yeah, exactly. I can't like I think some of the people who've Did said, you hear the buzz over the runescape? <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> what that means. <laughs> uh, I think the people who like talked about there not being much left ha- are onto something. Oh, so. well, because it's such an epic story. Then when it ends, like if she were to write anything else, it would be really boring. Huh? Like Hangover Two. Well, we'll see. It's true. We don't know yet. Yeah, it might be terrible. It's I think true. it's gonna be awesome. I think it will be. Terrible. It looks amazing. Yeah. So okay, um, to find out if you are a winner. You can go over back to this page where you posted your reply, and right underneath your reply, we said, you're a winner, and told you how to contact us so we can ship you your movie. So just go check it out. If you posted a reply, go back to it, and you'll see if you're a winner or not. Or if you didn't, there's there's a lot of great ones. And if you you don't claim your prize, I'll just sell it on the street. To Ryan. To Ryan. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that'll do it for uh, your Harry Potter winners. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so earlier we were talking about music and how it makes scenes epic in movies. Uh, Josh actually just uh, did the soundtrack for a film that'll be coming out uh, later, and we'll talk about it later. Sure. And, and, and Jesse had some some suggestions that every movie. Every action movie should end with red, red wine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that Sweet Home Alabama should make its way into a uh, going home scene. Mm-hmm. The boys are back in town should be in some montage where the team reunites. And that every movie, I think you said, should have the Jurassic Park and Rocky themes. At different parts. At but different yes. parts, right? This sounds like a mashup. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we want to ask you, what song and movie scene do you think should be paired? I, I think the best way to go about would be a, an actual movie scene. But maybe put a different song to it. Mm-hmm. I honestly mm-hmm. think, based on the criteria that you've lined out or laid out, that Top Gun is probably the perfect marriage of music and film. Oh, are you talking about the volleyball scene? Just everything in it. Really? Like Danger Zone? That song should be used in every movie. But uh, Agreed. Okay. But you know, all those I, yeah, and I can see a shirtless volleyball scene uh, <laughs> that gets that gets overly intense with some epic music as well. Yeah. So, but like uh, all those John Hughes movies were kind of known for their yeah. epic soundtracks they as were well. Good too. Yeah. But but it shows that the right pairing of music and scene really takes something to yeah. another level. That's like in any movie that stars a man walking in a moonlit rainy night wearing a trench coat. That should, especially if there's fluorescent lights, that should be accompanied by George Michael's Careless Whisper. I don't know that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was great. Oh. I need to buy this. I know. This is good. I should have played this on our date last night. Yes. Sexy sax man. Okay. So the weirdest, the weirdest thing is that I'm going to do, I'm going to do a genius playlist based on that song. (laughs) That's 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 incredible. Okay. So the, we got the new Bon Iver album in the office like a couple days ago. And, uh, it's great. Uh, the last track, Chad can back this up, <laughs> like literally sounds like a Peter Cetera song from like 1986. Seriously. Like, I'm not kidding. It's all auto tune. It's like electric piano. Like, and so I was, I actually said this not knowing we would talk about this in the podcast, but 
I said, it sounds like the romance dance montage from a Karate Kid movie. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And Bon Iver. Yeah. Bon so Iver. it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it actually, like, it makes a lot of sense in the context of the album, but yeah. It makes me think that if Michael W. Smith went back to place in this world, he could be <laughs> making epic music <laughs> today. Or yeah. Rocket Town. Rocket Town. <laughs> you, you know what I also think would be great in any film? is if at one point, no matter how serious or, or, or comedic the film is, the main character looks directly at the camera, like breaks the f- third wall and winks at the audience, and all you hear is, it doesn't matter what the film is. At one point, he looks at the camera, winks, and you hear the, I like it. That was well done. All right, so if you can, if you want to join in this conversation, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and post your pairing of a movie scene and a new music soundtrack for that scene. And we will play your your uh, suggestions on next week's podcast. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, many thanks to Brian McLaren for talking to us. Again, you can check out uh, his new book and other things at brianmclaren.net. Brian McLaren uh, stroller. <laughs> McLaren. Yeah, McLaren uh, has, has really, diversified. really yeah, diversifies his portfolio with a lot of uh, baby products. I yeah. don't know if you've seen those out on the market, but... Uh, he uh, after new kind of Christianity, I think he reinvested his money. <laughs> Just keep that in <laughs> That's mind. Good. Yeah. That's good. Um, okay, so that'll do it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Josh Luan Loveless. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Jesse Carey. And that's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com.